Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host alongside me, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. How you doing tonight, Elliot? It's great beard to you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing great. I'm going on a hunt Saturday. I'm going on a waterfowl hunt on Saturday. Nice, nice. I know you've told me about that a little bit. First, I have to, I have to say that. Did you ever think that two years ago when I started calling you Greybeard that you'd be offended if I didn't say it at the beginning of the podcast? <laughs> well, I am a nicknamer of all. If, I, if you're hanging around me, you're probably going to have a nickname. And so, but I never get nicknames in, in return. So I, I've always kind of longed for that. <laughs> I need a nickname. Ductator, Greybeard, Jerkface. We'll uh, choke outdoors was a good one for a while. Full joke. Oh my gosh. Have you seen those pictures Tim Cochran has been posting of me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Fabio one is the best. If you guys haven't seen this, you got to go to Fellowship of the Duck Guns because somehow our conversation about Jordan cutting off his mullet turned into uh, pictures of Photoshop pictures of me, like multiple, like there's six of them with a mullet. And I don't know how I got involved in that deal. <laughs> Your mullet. Oh man, I should have. Yeah, those are pretty good. Pretty good. Did you do you ever go back and listen to our own podcasts? I do. Well, the, the, I was saying the cool I have been lately. Here's the deal. So, people are constantly asking me, "How did you start freelance duck hunting? And why did you start it?" And my answer is always the same. It's like I had this plan to do a hunt journal, basically just a me recording myself interviewing, talking about the hunt after the hunt was over and it turned into actual hunt videos, it, it, it formed into what it wasn't supposed to be. But our podcast, when we do our hunt reviews, that is exactly what I wanted. So I go back and I, and I listen to our podcast where I'm talking about my favorite hunts and I'm reliving every single detail of it. And I'll listen to those. Those are the ones that I always gravitate and listen to because that like, that is in essence what I was trying to do with freelance duck hunting when I started and then it just changed. So I've got the best of both worlds. So yes, I do. I do go back and listen to them. Awesome. Yeah. I actually went, went back and listened to that one. And it's almost funny because I feel like when you're in the moment and talking and we're kind of like running the podcast, it's almost more than a regular conversation. Like as far as like hard to remember what we talked about. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I'm just like, because uh, going oh, back, you listen to you went back and listened to which one? The the one that Tim Cochran uh, put those pictures from the mullet one, and I was like, oh I yeah, yeah okay. I don't even remember yeah. talking about mullets. And then I went and listened to it, and it was like this was like <laughs> two three weeks ago. So that just shows how bad my memory is, I guess. But um, yeah, it was pretty funny, pretty funny stuff. Well, how many episodes do we have out at this point? How many how many episodes of, of Duck Gun Podcast have been recorded? Uh, you know? I think it's one hundred and seventy nine. Yeah, so we have stuff on there that I, if I listen, it's like I have zero recollection of ever just like you know, ever talking about that. <laughs> Do you ever feel crazy. like that's uh, how politicians get caught? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> there's just so many sound clips of them for five decades. I'm not, and I'm yeah. first. I'm not being like I, a uh, a politician. Um, what would you call it? Uh, oh, what do you call it? Uh, what's the the word? When you feel sorry for somebody, apologist. Yeah, I'm not being a pol a politician apologist. I'm not being that because there's some there's some dirty politicians out there. But I'm just saying, if we can't remember what we've said over the last two and a half years of podcast, which is true, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of hours of us now talking on the internet about just absolutely nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that we speak from the heart, whereas not all, but the majority of politicians, they've got polling numbers and they speak to the polling numbers. 
Yeah. And so for them, it's really difficult to for that because they're just talking up yeah, ass right. all the time about whatever they think is going to get them elected. I mean, you look at or that or all the memes or lobbyists from Biden and Kamala Harris. Yeah, or lobbyists. So yeah. they're not speaking from their heart. So and they don't even. I think that most of them realize and don't even care because there's so much media flying out there that it's like, oh, oh, oh this, well, you know, I don't care if they. It's not going to matter. Is this how you got, <laughs> man? Going back to those nicknames has triggered something in my mind that you probably don't want to come back but <laughs> is this is this how you got um in bed with uh modified choke choke people because <laughs> i'm the lobbyist <laughs> you're uh yeah you're a, a modified choke shield you're on or their, I'm being lobbied you're on their payroll on their payroll i don't know i've used improved <laughs> there is there is one video out there where i switched to a full choke one video. I'll tell you what, if I don't know if I should say this. Um, there's, I was going to say, if you can, if you send me an email and tell me which video, which for the second video that I switched to a full of choke on, then I'll send you something. How about that? How about that? You'll, you'll send them. I the will full give choke. you something. You will give them that full I'll choke. I'll send you the full <laughs> choke. It is. If you look at my chokes, it's like the modified is pitch black. The um, improved is Pretty, pretty silver, pretty silver. And then the full choke is like glistening. <laughs> I mean, it's like <laughs> you could eat off that thing. But there was one hunt. I used to carry one of my chokes with me because I was like, I had this theory. It's like, well, some days you might want to switch. And then I just never switched except for that one hunt. So I stopped carrying them with me. But there was yeah. one hunt where I started. Um, where I switched. Around. I feel like if you have to switch, then you're already having like a really bad shooting day because you've shot at birds and they didn't fall. <laughs> and usually that doesn't help your shooting. Well, I don't want to get, if I'm going to actually send someone something, if they tell me which hunt that was, I don't want to give away too much. But on this particular hunt, the birds were just consistently at 40, 45. I mean, at, at any time they were there and we had to, we ended up having to move back. Did you, uh, and we just even, did you shoot a spec? What? Mm-mm. Okay. No, nope. I, I, I didn't, I don't know what hunt it is. So I'm not going to give it away because I just if, said, if how about, someone can we're gonna, email me we're gonna make and, this, and tell me which hunt this is. We're going to make this a recurring, a recurring segment on the podcast now for this Easter egg for people to find. So every week we're going to narrow it yeah. down. Next week we'll talk about um, maybe like I'll what birds, what birds you shot. Then the next we'll, we'll narrow. Yeah. If someone hasn't guessed it yet, we'll narrow it down to, okay. to what season. And then if we haven't narrowed it down, we'll, um, like what season, like as far as like one, two, three, four, five, and then we'll narrow it down mm-hmm. to like, was it big duck? Was it teal? Was it late goose? Yeah, and then, and no, then no for, clues this week. Yeah. So no clues, but yeah, it's a hunt where I started out with a modified. I switched to a full. Do you think we need some kind of jingle? Yeah, happened one time. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, some, some type of full choke outdoors jingle about like, I'll send you some stuff. <laughs> We'll get our editor right on that. <laughs> That'd be part of it. I'd, I'd have to flesh that out. But I, I, I started, I, I gave the teaser of I'm going on a waterfowl hunt this Saturday. I should probably flesh that out a little bit oh, yeah. more. Oh, yeah. It's true. I am I am actually going on a waterfowl hunt this Saturday. But um, what, do, what do you think of that idea? Before I, before I fully explain what, what's happening, if, you were, if you, you were in the area and I said, do you want to go, Jordan, would you go? Yeah, <laughs> I would go. <laughs> Yeah, you think it'd be I'd fun? Make, I'd even make you breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd bring the Come grill. On, man. Oh Come man! All right. <laughs> so here's here's the deal. I I went on actually my first off season scouting trip. We just did that um, podcast recently about um, off season scouting, and I went on my first off season scout trip. And the reason I went because in my notes there's this one pool of water that I have never hunted, but I've been keeping my eye on, and a lot of times it's dry. And in my notes, I know if the complex raises to a certain level, I have written down that that is ideal for this for this hole. And so we had a bunch of rain. I checked uh, USGS um, waterfowl real time waterfowl water data, not waterfowl real USGS real time mm-hmm. water data, and it was exactly the level that my notes had said. So and I knew there had been a bunch of wild millet in there um, growing this past year, but it just didn't have any water. So I just wanted to get in there and actually see if I was right about. Um, as far as what was ideal water conditions, it's only about a mile paddle 
and I figured there'd be a bunch of ducks in there. Sunday afternoon, it was about 60 degrees, totally sunny. So I'm like, I'm going, I'm going. So um, I got out there and I, and I was right. Like, and the water conditions were awesome. And the pool was even water filled more of the pool than I even expected. And there was just ducks everywhere. There was, I was flushing them. It was weird because this whole thing is, is running by um, t- temp flooded timber, just strips of it around the whole pool. And all, almost all the ducks were sitting inside of the timber. And so any place I, I boated by, they were just boiling out of the timber teal and mostly mallards and blue wings. And which is weird. Cause it was, I'd say mostly mallards and then blue wings and then green wings and then gattles. That, that was like the progression of the number of ducks. Itself. But they were everywhere. They were coming out. And um, in the past um, we have gone out and decoyed ducks in the spring. So I thought, why don't we just do a simulated duck hunt and where, we, it's going to be myself and Golden Boy, and I don't know if Fumbles is going or not. And I'm going to go out, and I'm going to, I'm going to film this just like it's a real waterfowl hunt. And we are going to take, like, walking sticks as guns, and I'm going to have the GoPro set up on the blind. I may even take the A-frame. I can either sit in the timber or use the A-frame, but I'm kind of thinking, I mean, if we're going to go out on it, I want to be concealed. <laughs> so um, I may take the A-frame out and everything, and we're going to have the GoPro on us, and then we're going to take turns filming with the big camera, and as ducks come in, we're going to have a shot caller. We're going to do everything exactly like it were a hunt, except we can't pull the trigger. But we'll pretend we pull the trigger. I'll even be making some audible gun noises. <laughs> I don't know what that. I haven't decided on my gun noise to choice is going to be. And then, um, you know, based on how close they are, we will discuss, okay, what do we think we would have killed out of that? And we will keep track of our bag limit and everything. So, and that's one thing Matt from our very sportsman that's he's like, so are you going to like, actually pay attention to species and i'm gonna i want to run this exactly like a hunt in fact i'm gonna take retrieval dummies with me and my banded slew stand for georgie and when i think i shot one we're gonna chuck the chuck the dump the bumper out there and have her go and retrieve it and and so through the video it'll be like okay um aiden's got two teal right now i've got one mallard and um and so we're just gonna see exactly what we feel like our bag limit would have been that day so we're just going to do run a full scale simulated duck hunt and video it and everything. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm actually really excited about it. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that's, that'll be pretty cool. Pretty awesome. I hope you get some good footage of some, some full on drakes, but it, it honestly it reminds me of kind of like we've, we've heard this story from a lot of people that are uh, photographers. It's pretty much, they didn't want waterfowl season to end. So they just kept going out and started mm-hmm. taking pictures instead of shooting their gun. So, I mean, it's really pretty much what you're doing. You're going out there, you're going to film them, you're going to decoy them in. And, you know, definitely, definitely a pretty cool idea. So, um, yeah, definitely. uh, And I was thinking if they ever banned waterfowl hunting, I would create some form of game like this. And, and it would be, you would have, I don't, I don't know how to flesh out all the rules would be, but you would essentially have like a gamekeeper. And so they would determine how good of a pass it was. And based on that good of a pass, you'd have a certain um, variable of whether you actually killed the duck or not. <laughs> um, so if they landed in the decoys, you'd have a nine chance, nine time out of 10 chance of killing it, you know, and you, you wouldn't roll dice, but it'd be some type of simulated roll. You're like, okay, I killed two on that one or whatever, you know, you'd have to get like uh, some type of like airsoft gun that like had like harmless paint BBs. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I wonder if it's actually... illegal to shoot paintballs. Just think if you could yeah, pop them with a paintball. It's definitely illegal. <laughs> like a paintball would probably almost kill them, man. I don't know. I wonder break, if that's legal right now. You can break them with a wing. I'm just saying if there's some like harmless way to like shoot one that like like a little rubber ball or like a plastic mm-hmm. one that would that just pop on them on impact. Mm-hmm. I think the problem yeah. is anything like that is it would be uh, too breakable to take the force of getting up to speed. So yeah, yeah. That's the problem with it. But we're we're gonna pull up with the walking sticks because we've got a couple of just like you know straight wooden walking sticks. Pull up on them. You My need wife like thought I should do for the pew pew, but I'm not, I think I'm gonna go pow like <laughs> pow like that. You need um like super soakers. <laughs> if you get them in real close, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just soak those bastards. <laughs> they just go flipping into the decoys, all wet. They oh, I wonder. If, I wonder. I wonder if Walmart is selling super so super soakers yet. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Honestly, that's a good idea. Yeah. You, you I'm pop being up totally with those. <laughs> <laughs> you could even yell spray and pray at I the gotta... end and be legit. <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely totally be literally spraying and praying. 
<laughs> okay, for real, for real. I'm gonna check with um, Matt Farmer, make sure that's a, that's legal. I don't know why it wouldn't be. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been that's asked this so before, much better. Matt, but is it legal to shoot squirt guns <laughs> at birds? And if they get you know within five ten yards, I might hit them. <laughs> <laughs> and can you squirt a duck's eye out? I don't think so. <laughs> just think, know. you do get on video, you actually somehow like hit a duck just right in the eyeball and like maim it and <laughs> on the simulated it knocks it knocks its flight. I'm pattern not joking off though. That super soaker idea. How, how far did those things fly? Those super soakers? Uh, some of them actually go pretty far. Yeah. That is, I could. This may be the start to a whole spring season of waterfowl hunting <laughs> trying to knock ducks joking. out of the air with water <laughs> or yeah just hit them and film it man that's so much extra content how much fun would that be even more fun than just going pew pew boom you see, you see on video slow-mo the water <laughs> splashing off the duck's belly <laughs> yeah that's a good one. Oh man yeah good idea it's gonna happen awesome and i'm now i'm more i'm even more excited to to see it now I will watch that. If yeah, you go well, duck hunting. Right, when we get done with this, I'm going to get on Amazon and start looking up super soakers. <laughs> if you go duck hunting, dude, honestly, that might, that might get some views duck hunting with, <laughs> with squirt guns. Oh yeah, it will completely. That's crazy. Uh, my poor wife is like, Oh, so now you're hunting all <laughs> February, March and May, <laughs> April. I missed a skipped April. And then didn't I, Yep. I'm excited about that idea, I gotta say. So um I actually so what else is up? It's kinda kinda funny because uh I was listening to that podcast that I was talking about with the mullets and all that. Well the actual podcast was us about talking about our preseason scouting. So preseason scouting um was pretty much you saying you're gonna go to the marsh and um me saying I was gonna go knock on doors. So I actually did my first my first asking for permission today. So um, there's a spot I stopped. So we last lived year. it out. We lived yeah, it out we simultaneously. Actually, we actually yeah. followed through with what we said the goals were for off season, yeah. preseason scouting. So um, kudos to us. It's still March, and we're getting we're getting after it. So um, might be the last day of March, but um, but yeah. So anyways, I went up there in Michigan um, to. There was a spot I went last year. I asked for permission before season. The guy said he had people hunting on it, and this spot is just it's just the bomb diggity. I mean, it's got. Um, it's got multiple lakes that are on a chain, uh, below it. And then a Creek that runs through it and all the way up to his property. And his property has this Creek that runs through it with, with some big stagnant sections of the Creek that are like swampy marsh. Wow. So anyways, um, I've had my eye on this spot for a while. So last year I finally got up around to asking about him, asked him, he said, I got guys hunting it this year. Come back next year and we'll talk about it. And pretty much, he said he had guys hunting it, and I said that I'd be willing to lease it. And he said, "Well, I got guys hunting it this year. Come back this year." And so it's like an hour drive. I drive up there after work. Um, pretty excited. Like I, I bring my boots, my my hunting jacket. I think I'm gonna get to like walk the property and all that. So, anyways, I knock on his door, talk to him, and he pretty much said that he changed his mind. He's gonna just let the guys keep hunting it that have been hunting it. It's <laughs> like. Oh. It's like, dang it. Bummer. Why can't you just tell me that last so year instead close. of me driving an hour? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I did. I did send, I was right next to that spot too. And I sent you uh, that video. Did you see that video I sent you? Yeah, I did. Is that where you, that's where you were? It was like right next to it. So, um, mm-hmm. like a quarter mile away from the spot I was asking about. But right on the edge of the road, there's this flooded little section of a field. And I mean, I counted six pairs of fully bloomed out. Blue wing tail, which is just like, oh man, those are awesome. And just, I mean, there's like a hundred mallards, and this is a tiny little pocket right on this field that was flooded. Um, I don't know what they're um, what they're loving about it. Probably some kind of food source. But um, I stopped and asked there if I could come back and and shoot some some pictures and video. Um, I don't think they'll be there in season. That's why I didn't ask. I didn't ask about hunting, but who knows if it's what still they around? Say? They said, yeah. They said, yeah. Go go on if. If that's they said, if that's what you're gonna do, if that's all you're gonna do, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, that's what I said I was gonna do. What else? What else can I do <laughs> on this trip? That's all I'm gonna do. Maybe yeah. uh, next fall, I'll ask with have a little of a conversation. Yeah. If you do that, you need to send them whatever pictures or whatever. You need to find a way to, yeah, show them. Hey, check out what I 
you know. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, build that relationship because I mean, if there's birds in it now, which we talked about in that last episode, um, there 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 will be a scenario in which there'll be birds in it in the fall at some point in time. That's why yeah. a lot of like the scouting is is just logging it for the future. At some point, I've got several spots that before I die, I will shoot ducks out of. I know it's there. I know the conditions it needs. I'm just waiting to pounce on it at the right time. You know, that's what you've got right there. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. If it floods like this in season, there's a good chance. And it's next, excuse me, it's next to all those, um, you know, water sources. So definitely, Mm -hmm. definitely a good chance. So you should, you should record how much rainfall you guys have gotten in the last week or so to get it to that point. Mm Mm-hmm. Because then yep. it's an hour away, you'll just be like, well, I wonder if there's been enough rain. And and I mean, it's, it's more complex than that because, I mean, ground sometimes is more like a sponge than it is. Other times it's waterlogged. But, you know, all more data you can get, the better. Oh, yeah. So I need to I need to change the subject a little bit. I need to I need to ask you something. OK, so this mm-hmm. is this is totally, totally different than anything we've ever talked in here. But I got on this weird kick. OK. And have you ever have you ever played chess? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you I'm like not good at chess? Are you you're not a good chess player? Well, me either. No, my attention just crushes me. I'm <laughs> constantly like, oh, you took my queen. I forgot to see that. <laughs> That's so, <laughs> so. Anyways, like my dad taught me to play chess when I was a kid. Like literally, like he taught me the rules. I think we played it a few times. He probably crushed my soul, and, and then we never played again. But I knew the rules. <laughs> I knew the rules, and so I saw this YouTube video of this like eight nine-year-old kid and he's just like like he's playing like chess like literally a mile a minute and just like smashing these adults that are like good chess players and i'm like man that's just awesome i'm like i can play chess and so i literally like picked it up like tried to play online and same thing i just got completely smashed (laughs) i mean because they put you against people who are are playing but anyways i started to Mm -hmm. i got matt to play me online so me and <laughs> me and Matt from High Prairie Sportsman. You guys hear yeah. us talk. You, you hear us talk about him all the time uh, because he's from Nebraska and all that. You know all that, all the kind of stuff that goes along with it. We got a little bit of a uh, um, a rivalry between the two of us. But anyways, anyways, I just I just need to put it out what there. Happened? I've been I just been smashing Matt at chess. So. <laughs> <laughs> so he must suck <laughs> <laughs> well honestly we both suck it's pretty much who's just sucking who, who's just yeah. not as garbage so my son has gotten into chess on online recently and he's been playing quite a bit so when we went down to arkansas they had a chess board and we played and um the first game typical me it's like oh you took my queen i guess i didn't see that early on and uh the second game he was beating me bad and i made this awesome comeback and it got down to the point where i had king and queen and he just had his king right yeah and so apparently this is some stupid chess rule i didn't know if you get to the point where he's not in checkmate but if he moves that he goes into checkmate then it's a draw and i didn't know that Hmm. so he like somehow called a draw out of it like a little cheater did you look it up because that sounds like a bs rule <laughs> he I, well he's the he's a really literal kid and if he says that's the rule then i don't even need to look it up it's like he's not going to be adamant about it unless he knows for certain that's the rule hmm. so he's a junior i said he's little he's he's a junior <laughs> so i know if he said that then he's as much as he's been playing he's accurate but i thought it was i was like what i was like no it's your turn to move if you have to move into check i win nope draw i'm like what <laughs> I made this like crazy comeback. Anyway, people are turning off the <laughs> I almost said radio. With each radio. Second, can't we talk about chess? That's all right. That's all right. We're gonna <laughs> I think we need to play now that we talked about it. So we'll we'll play about we'll play and, Okay, yeah. And if you beat me, I'll let you play my son. Okay. And if I and if I lose, you won't let me play him. <laughs> well, what's the point? If he's already beating me three games in a row and I beat you, what's the point? Yeah, <laughs> you gotta like go you might beat me, me. And get to him. We'll see. All right, so let's go ahead. <laughs> we'll, we'll jump off this this uh, chess 
tangent and uh, talk about the partners, <laughs> and then we'll get in today's podcast. We've been all over the place today. Um, today's topic, when we're going to talking about, we're going to be yeah. talking about the stages of a duck hunter. So it'll be a good one. We're all in different stages. And I think the theme of this is, does YouTube regress your stage as a hunter? <laughs> or, or, just, YouTube or just terrible seasons. Stage. Ter- terrible seasons of waterfowl regress. <laughs> yeah. Regress my stages. Yep. All right. First off, I'd like to give a big thanks out to Motion Duck Decoys. Um, Motion Duck Decoys has two options for the spreaders. It's the ultimate spreader, spreader or the normal one, four ducks or seven. You can keep spreading them out or keep adding on to those um, indefinitely. I prefer the ultimate with seven ducks. It's perfect for those no-win days. You throw it out there, puts riffle, ripples, life nut. Wow. I am stumbling all over my words. Lifelike motion. Um, as Elliot pointed out in the last podcast or the last couple podcasts, um, even on no-win days, man, he's up. He's upped his numbers from the stats he's kept um, through using the motion duck decoy spreader. So, uh, definitely a vital piece of equipment for us on any day, but especially those no-win days because we all know that you can't finish birds or it's very hard to finish birds that are pressured when you have no motion and no motion on the water. So check them out, guys, motionducksdecoys.com and use code DUCKGUN10 for 10% off and free shipping. I don't know if you guys have heard or not, but Jordan and I have teamed up and we've got a community going on over at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. And we've got a lot of uh, fans of the podcast joining us over there. In fact, today when we're done with this podcast, Jordan and I are going to record a one of our videos for the Waterfowler's Guide, which is a little um, seven-video session that goes through the basics of waterfowl hunting and just like the, the core aspects of it that we're going to be releasing over at Patreon. And and um, we've released several um, Patreon-only Duck Gun podcast episodes and, and extra videos that are not on YouTube. They're Patreon. It's a fan funding site. We would love to have you guys over there with us at patreon.com slash freelanceduckhunting. And I want to give a special shout-out to Joe Christensen, who is a new patron. And actually, Jordan and him have been talking quite a bit about the A5, which every time that I hear you or see you hunting with an A5 or hear you talking about it, man, I want, I want one of those guns. But... Joe's an A5 guy, it looks like, and um, he has been asking Jordan all sorts of questions about this. So if you want to interact with us on a little more um, one-on-one level, patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. Awesome. Also like to give a big thanks out to Bandit, Avery, and Greenhead Gear. Um, guys, it's that time of year to be swinging into what you're thinking about for off-season to kind of um, round out your in-season gear. And I, and I noticed this year that one thing that I was kind of lacking on is my early season gear. I have plenty of stuff that keeps me keeps me warm through the season, um, but I need some options for, you know, dove season, early till. Um, they got everything in camo from the super light stuff all the way through the winter. So I need to be looking at um, getting on and, and purchasing some of that early season stuff to kind of, you know, round out what I got from my equipment. But Bandit has everything you need from dog gear, hunting, hunting a camo, decoys, you name it, they got it over there. Check them out, banded.com. All righty, let's go ahead and jump into today's topic. So, um, Elliot's going to be Elliot's going to be more of uh, a narrator on this one, going through the stages of the duck hunter. Elliot actually has done a video on this on his YouTube channel as well in the past. Um, definitely a super interesting. Um, topic to to come through to to talk about, and I know that, like we said earlier, everybody is in one of these stages, and you know there might be certain parts of your hunting that are in are in different stages, but you know as as hunters we all kind of progress, um, you know mentally through these, and it's and it's really cool to kind of see where you're at. So be thinking about that while we're talking it, talking through it, and and you know you'll see where you're at. Maybe you'll see where your dad's at or other people that you hunt with. Yeah, so we think of this as kind of a progression, but <clears throat> I don't think there's any judgment about what stage you are. And I think it's just kind of a really fun exercise to evaluate yourself and just kind of what you deem as valuable, important, and hunting. And there's no there's no right or wrong to it. It's just what you get the most satisfaction and enjoyment about. So we're going to go through these five stages. And then at the end, or I guess 
intermingled through there if that's what we decide to do. Jordan and I will talk about our stages and where we're at with the stages. And I will say um, that I've, I've said this before. I do feel like that since I started posting videos on YouTube, my stages have changed a little bit and kind of gone a different direction. So just based on um, trying to be more successful and, and the videos and everything, which is, I don't know when I think I, and I love your opinion on this, Jordan, by the end, when we talk about it is just, what do you think of the priority change? I guess that we've, I guess you probably haven't gone through it because you started with this whole thing, but um, just kind of what your thoughts are on that whole aspect. Um, so anyway, let's go ahead and get on to number one. The number one stage is the shooter stage. In this stage, hunters are simply, simply want to do a lot of shooting, whether it's doves, ducks, squirrels, rabbits, or even deer, in which case shooting opportunities um, are acceptable too. They want to test their shooting abilities as well as that of their rifle or shotgun. These hunters are typically beginners and are often young as well. Yeah, um, definitely. Definitely can remember a time where I just wanted to be able to pull up and shoot. You know, and, and I think that is where, honestly, we get we get some of these people that would be referred to as skybusters because they just want to shoot their gun. And the birds come in, in range, and they're a little disappointed if they're not close enough. Maybe not disappointed is not the right the right word. They're over eager to just shoot their gun, and you know, obviously, with any type of hunting, that that is a little bit of an issue. Elliot said no judgment, but <laughs> I think that that's the part where we have to have a little bit of a judgment because whether it's deer hunting or other types of big game hunting or waterfowl hunting, if you just want to shoot and it's not the right shot, um, you're going to be ending up, you know, doing more harm than good. So at that that part of the 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 shooter stage, I would say is the the only thing we're going to have judgment on. But um, I definitely yeah. remember myself being in those shoes. So. Again, I said judgment, but also I can remember having that and definitely hunting with people where I'm like, are we going to take them? We could, can we take them? Let's take them. And they're like, no, that's like way too high. <laughs> mm. Yeah. It makes me think of, I was watching Matt, um, I pray sportsman's his last snow goose video. And man, I love Matt's shots. It just really, really matches up to mine really well. And like three or four times in that video, the guy that's with Matt, it seems like a great guy and his kids were awesome in that video, but um, he just, I could tell he was itching to take the shot and Matt's like, Oh, hold on, hold on one more time. I'll just hold on. And there was a couple times where they didn't, they didn't get the shot at that group, but then they finally, that patience paid off and they had like three come at like 12 yards, you know, but it was just, I loved, I wanted to pat him on the back every time that Matt was just wanting to be so patient, Don't. so patient. He was willing to not get the shot at 45 if it meant eventually getting a shot at, at 15, you know? And so that's, that's a great example. That's a great example, but I don't know if you get the memo. We're not allowed to talk positively about Matt on the podcast. <laughs> I like Matt, man. I know you do. Too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just part of the memo well, with myself. Yeah. Well, that's just a Jordan memo. That's my buddy. <laughs> I don't have anything bad to say about him unless he wears that mustache. Um, <laughs> But I'm, I've got a video of a 16-year-old Elliot shooting Milo on a prairie chicken hunt because I don't know if we had done – I was with my cousin, so we had probably done some pheasant and quail hunting that afternoon and, and maybe didn't get some shots. But by the end of the day, uh, we were dying to pull the trigger so bad, and my dad had the video camera out with us that I had him film me shooting Milo stocks. So I, I think I was definitely <laughs> – at that That's point funny. in time in that shooter stage. I remember when I, that, re, that reminds me of a, a stage when I was like, I had to be like 11, 12. And I, I honestly, I had no recollection, recollection of this memory till you said that. It's kind of funny, but um, I used to go upland hunting with my grandpa, use my single shot 12 gauge, single shot 20 gauge. It's right here. I'm holding it. I just pulled it from behind me. And, uh, the, at the end of the hunt, we didn't get to shoot, and so they threw hedge apples up in the air for me to shoot at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> did you hit any? I maybe, maybe not. I remember. Uh, well, let's not get off onto it. That that gun kicks so hard. Okay. That, that <laughs> we're gonna go off on too many tangents again. But yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on to the second stage, which is the limiting out stage. And at some point, just pulling the trigger just doesn't satisfy. So hunters at this stage, they gain all of their satisfaction from um, shooting limits. 
And what they really care about is the number of birds bagged. And that becomes just so important in limiting out. That is just the standard. And I, and I think that this is pretty typical of early college. If you just kind of, if you were to say, all right, what age groups do you think people typically go through these things? And when you go through someone's Instagram account and every single picture is a pile, they're probably in the limiting out stage. So um, there's nothing wrong. I love limiting out. I want to limit out every single time I go out and I love it. But, you know, if, if the if the pile um, is what's important or if you get through a hunt and and you're like, man, we should add a bunch more guys. So we could have made the pile even bigger. You're probably in this in these limiting out stage. Yeah, I think it's very hard um, to get out of this stage. And I know that that if if I was to probably talk about where I'm at in my stage, it's probably somewhere between two and three. We haven't got to three yet, but mm-hmm. it's so hard <clears throat> to get out of that limiting out stage. And also the thing about it is when I start having those feelings of, oh, I don't care about a limit, I almost feel like I am, what's the right word? Like, oh, like it's, it's almost like you're losing your mojo if you don't care about shooting a limit. <laughs> <laughs> in a way yeah, yeah. you know what i mean that's i get those little you're almost like, like a little kid like after you lose something like i don't care right you know? yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah you do yeah. you do care yeah well it's like well no it's it's almost well, like we're all chasing limits that's what that's yeah. what we want you know all of us want it yeah. except for final minutes <laughs> he doesn't care <laughs> he doesn't care you know um that, that's days not from like I, I, I want him to shoot his limits like come on you only need two more come on we can finish <laughs> off our four man and he's like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> bam bam okay there we go <laughs> yeah Oh yeah. So the limiting out stage, you know, it's always fun to shoot limits. And all like, like Jordan said at the beginning of this, I don't think it's hard to, to be in any one stage. Although I think my dad is absolutely entrenched in five and he's not in any other stage other than five, <laughs> but most of us, you know, are spread out through. Yeah. These, but, and I think so. that stage, th- I, th- I think that also when you talk about the stages, um, and I, I, I kind of alluded to this before we got into the actual topics, but when you have a really good, a really good season and you've just smashed birds all season, it's so much easier to be in stage four or five. Mm-hmm. But when like you're on a huge dry spell, it's like, yeah, you, that's when you regress all the way back to, we need to shoot a limit or maybe even mm-hmm. like if you've had like, let's just say you went on skunks, Elliot, you went on skunks for an entire month. And you got, you just like, I just want to shoot my gun. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think that that part of it can regress you. And kind of, you also talked about how you said YouTube can. And well, when you get limits, YouTube rewards you because you get more views. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it's just built into it. So I think that that's where it kind of pulls you towards hoping that you get the limit more than you'd actually care about it. If, if it was just hanging out with the guys. Yeah, it, it's so true. I know my first two years of freelance duck hunting on YouTube were two of the worst years of my entire life waterfowl hunting. We've been hunting waterfowl in almost 30 years. And the season one and two, season one was horrible. And season two got even worse. I got skunked 45% of the hunts that year. And my, my long-term average is just over 10% of the hunts um, skunked over my lifetime. And it was 45% that year. And it was the point where, I mean, my channel was growing um, but I was seeing comments on even forums I'm like, man, you know, I like freelance stuff kind of videos, but those guys just don't shoot birds. And they just, you know, the people really started to question our ability to kill birds. And at season three got off to a bad start. The first couple hunts were bad. And I'm just like, what is, this is like the twilight zone. I mean, we always shoot birds. We we've had all the success over time and the pressure was mounting on me. I'm telling you the pressure was so intense um, because I, I want, you know, if you're on YouTube and you're putting out and you're getting comments and you want to be, you know, I knew that we were quality duck hunters and everything, but you get all these comments all the time and you're even seeing them off of YouTube and it. And so the first really good after that was the tornado teal hunt where we camped out and there was a tornado nearby. And then the next morning, Aiden and I had one of the best teal hunts of my life. And man, that release of, uh, that was release of pressure for me and that i was absolutely in the limited out stage and then we went on a run of smashing mallards um early november and all of those hunts i was absolutely in the limit out stage during that time because it was just <laughs> like finally some of i finally were having some success after like two full years of just struggle and 
And so I was just like you said, I mean, it was all about limiting out for me at that, at that point. And that's, and that's one of the things, you know, it's like, is that even good to where, you know, you're posting videos of your hunts and it's putting so much pressure on you that you care that much about it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right, let's move on to number three trophy stage. So eventually the weight of the game bag becomes less important and the emphasis shifts from quantity to quality. Hunters at this stage gain satisfaction from being selective and taking game, such as a duck hunter who shoots only greenheads, a turkey hunter who shoots only long beards, or a deer hunter who takes only mature bucks. These hunters often travel long distances to hunt trophy animals. Yep. We think. Well, I mean, you definitely, it, it's a good example there with uh, talking about greenheads. Um, you know, if you're in the limit out stage, you don't care about anything else. I think there's almost like, you know, kind of, partial steps because there'll be people who only want to shoot mallards and then Mm -hmm. then one step above that's only greenheads you know yeah um and you're still is it is it is that still the limit out stage or is it a partial trophy trophy hunting you know um yeah i think if the trophy's ahead if the what ducks you shoot is ahead of the limit then it's the definitely the trophy yeah if you know you can go to is the trophy is all greenheads the yep. One greenhead's not the trophy in that instance. It's a limit of greenheads is the, because when you <laughs> see a picture where it's all green versus a few hens sprinkled in, the picture looks totally different. A, yep. a picture of a full limit of only green looks spectacular. That's the trophy, right? Yeah. It's when you, you know, I think we, you've kind of maxed out the trophy stage when you're willing to go to a spot to, cause you know, you're going to have a really good shot at getting a pintail, but mm-hmm. maybe not a great, chance at limiting opposed to going somewhere where you're like, well, I know if we go to this reservoir, we'll probably shoot six ducks. Yeah. And that's, that's the difference there. So there was, go ahead. There were several deck hunts this year. Um, one that comes to mind where I was out by myself, it was a solo kayak hunt. And from the start, I'm talking to the camera about, I'm going for five green heads and a pencil drake from the very start. And I could have, I could have shot um, a couple ruddy ducks. I could have shot a couple shovelers. So that day, I was I was hundred percent in the trophy stage that day. Yeah. And through the of course the whole video, I'm kind of debating because it wasn't as good as I thought. You know, should I switch back over and shoot <laughs> non greenheads? It it ended up I shot five greenheads and a pintail hen that I thought was a drake, but that was definitely a trophy stage hunt from start to finish. Yeah, and I think the the max range you can go on this or the max you can go in this stage is when you're willing to maybe just go to somewhere where you think you're going to shoot just like a canvas back or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like the king of all this would be like going for like King Eiders or yeah. Harlequin or, you know, something that literally, or, or, um, uh, a Sandhill crane where you only have like, or a Swan, another, you know, those are like the max out trophies mm-hmm. that you can go for as one bird you're going, you got to go to a specific state to get a swan, you know, whether it's Utah or South Dakota or North Carolina, um, you know, that's kind of the full extent of the, the trophy stage. And Titus is in that right now from mid Valley mercenaries, because I know he, I mean, he commented, I don't know if it was just to the flyways group. I think it was that he commented. He wants to make a trip down to Florida because he's going after, maybe it's the whistling duck down there. The I'm not sure. Whistling the model. Duck. Yeah, it's, yeah, because it's, he's trying to check off all his his goal is to get all of his North American ducks, right? Yeah, that's absolutely trophy stage. If you're going to go all the way to Florida to shoot one species of duck, <laughs> you are definitely in the trophy stage on that. Oh yeah. All right, method stage for this hunter taking game is still important, but more important is how the game is taken. True satisfaction comes from the method used to take game, with particular emphasis on more challenging methods such as archery or muzzleloading. This hunter will spend a lot of time scouting, using trail cameras, studying their quarry, practicing hunting skills, such as calling, um, even choose to target one specific animal. So it's all about how you do it. In waterfowl hunting, I guess that goes really into calling, um, having a lot of conversation about the amount of decoys you use, spinners, non-spinners, all of that method. Yeah, I mean, I think there's other things too to the method stage um, as far as, and I think it's, they kind of narrow it in a way, but um, I think it can be also experience stage. You know, the Mm -hmm. same method stage, well, it could be experience stage. 
it goes back to like the you want to hunt different locations than you have ever hunted. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you want to get further back into places that are just extreme isolated. I think that's still the same type of category because you're trying to do something different with your hunt where you're going to have a different experience than your normal waterfowl hunting. I think waterfowl, this, this stage thing is set up just for hunting in general, but for waterfowl, I think we have to think about it a little bit different because there's not a lot of methods. Usually our methods that we use are to have methods that are more effective. You use an A-frame in a certain situation because that's the most effective way. You go in a prairie marsh and you paddle out in your kayak and lay out hunting it because that's the most effective way to do it right there. On a, a reservoir in South Dakota, it might be the best best option is to go there with a boat blind. You know, we got all these methods, which, I mean, it could be, hey, I want to try all these different things that I haven't done in my location or just because I don't have access to it. And those can be methods that you want to try, a different way to kill a duck. Because we were, one thing I really do want to do is at some point hunting a boat like Phil Conkey has and shoot mallards that way because it just seems like really cool and, well, it's extreme comfort too. You have all the yeah. comforts of home right there where, you, where you're hunting. Um, so there's definitely different ways to kind of take this method and I would say almost experience or uh, – you got anything to add to kind of the thought that I'm trying to – um, get across. Yeah, I, I think a lot of these are almost like, what do you pride yourself in? Right. If, if I say, if I bring up a conversation with a water hunter um, and they immediately start talking about the number of limits they shot, well, that's what they pride themselves in. If they, if they talk about the importance of getting ducks in so close or things like that, it's like, what do you really view yourself as? If you view yourself as really knowledgeable in waterfowl hunting, then you're probably in the probably more of the method stage would be your primary stage. Um, so I, th- I think that's kind of a good way to think of it. It's like, what do you pride yourself most in? And I think for the shooter stage, it's like, says normally those younger kids that are trying to pull the trigger, but um, yeah, I, I don't think I have anything else to add to that one unless you do. No, I don't think so. Sportsman stage. After many years in the field, the hunter begins to to place an emphasis just on the overall experience, being in the outdoors, enjoying the company of friends and family, seeing nature and all its beauty. Now that's going to overweigh the need for taking game. These hunters often just turn into mentoring younger hunters, and I've actually seen five and six be separated out before, where five is just the experience, and then six is the mentorship stage, where here it's. So sometimes you actually see it as six stages, but this is just kind of the old guy that has killed so many birds that killing him isn't as important as just making sure he's soaking up the experience. And a lot of times it's the older guys because they're seeing the end of that road. Yeah. They're every single day is so valuable to them for the young guys. You know, it's like they think they have an unlimited infinite number of hunts in their future. Where this guy is like, he understands that these days are starting to wind down and it's like trying to soak every last little bit out of every hunt and and when you do that the pulling the trigger and the kill goes way down and the noticing things and smelling things and and enjoying friendship go and even hunting with your grandchildren you know um, or your or your sons uh, yeah. go way up definitely definitely um and you definitely can see that with people and, I, and there's there's something that's i think that's a little unique or I'm struggling how to describe this. Do you have um, a desire to just share waterfowl hunting with everybody? Hmm. No. <laughs> I think that I think that that is part of the sportman sportsman stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's almost like yeah. they want to pass that knowledge knowledge down to you know other people. They want it to live on. And I do feel that to some extent as a waterfowl hunter, I do want to share it, but it's like, uh, have you ever seen the memes on, on Facebook where it's like, uh, meeting a duck hunter and like the grocery store versus meeting Mm -hmm. a duck hunter at the boat ramp where the boat ramp, you're like, it's almost like, you know, you're, it's like when you see the players come to the middle of a field before a a sporting event, you almost, you have the competition, right? But if you meet people at the grocery store, it's like, you're all buddy, buddy. Oh man, you're one of us. You're a duck Mm -hmm. hunter too. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and so those are the people you want to share it with. Unfortunately, yeah. the people who are trying to get to your exact spot and you have to beat, 
we have a little bit of a different attitude. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I, I definitely can see that with someone who doesn't care as much about getting the limits and all that because they lived out all the stages and they want to share it with every, everybody they can. They want to share it, especially with the people that are closest to them and pass it on to see, see that continue on. And, and that's kind of, you know, we talk about, um, what we do with the podcast and our YouTube channels, like wanting to give duck hunting or do duck hunting justice by you know, everything we, we create with our content because it's such an awesome sport. And I see that, you know, that is part of the fifth stage for me. Those people that that's their ultimate goal. You know, they want, mm-hmm. they want to do duck hunting justice and, and share it and pass it on to the people that are going to go on after they're, they're gone from this earth and they're still hunting. Yeah. I I definitely am not in the sportsman stage. Now, when it comes to enjoying the outdoors, yes. But as far as wanting to spread it to everyone and wanting <laughs> to just mentor random random people like Titus does, it's something I need to grow at. I have such a drive to get ducks, specifically mallards, in close and kill them that it's like – it's overwhelming. It's honestly, it's overwhelming. If I get to a spot where I get to a place at noon and I see mallards flying all over the place and I'm not at my spot yet, my heart rate is <laughs> through the roof. It's just like, it's almost like such a predetermined response in me that I want to get birds in close and, and shoot them that it's overwhelming. It's, it's sometimes it's over, it's emotion overload that I wish that I wish that I could turn down the dial on it a little bit. And to this point in my life, when I have young kids with me, um, it's like, I have to really focus on slowing down. It's like, I want to get there. I I just have such a drive to do that, that, that at this point in my stage now I've taken my boys out and um, none of them really love waterfowl hunting. If they, if they did, it'd be different, but it's like my number one drive throughout my entire being is to get those ducks in close and kill them. And so <laughs> that's probably an area that I will be maturing at over the next 15 years, I suppose. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely can agree with you on that, all that. So, um, yeah, I, I guess challenge you guys, you know, I want to, I want to know where everybody else falls on this list. I mean, and by, I want to know, <laughs> not everybody has to message me, but <laughs> I just and mean, let's try to remember when this drops to go to Fellowship of the Duck Guns and put up a, yeah, a poll. Yeah, that's a good and have people kind of mark where they're at. That's a way better, a way better idea than getting all the messages. So everybody, go over yeah. there, Fellowship of the Duck Gun, put your vote, what stage you're in, and we'll see because it is interesting. To I wonder where I still feel like the majority of people, the majority of duck hunters, are probably um, like two and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where 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 would you put yourself on this? I'd I'd put my if you asked me last year, I might say it a little different. I do know that I, I notice when I take new people, like I, I take uh like um my brother in laws, you know, uh, people that don't hunt a lot and that are are still younger. You know, I, my dad's still a new duck hunter, but I don't think he cares as much about limiting out as maybe my brother in law might be disappointed. You know. Um, mm-hmm if we don't, if we don't shoot limits. So it's like, um, or shoot a lot of ducks. doesn't have to necessarily be a limit. And I'm at the point where sometimes I have to remind myself that other people aren't just gonna, if they're a new hunter and you're taking them out, they might just not want to just go out to hang out. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't get as disappointed as a lot of people I hunt with when we don't shoot a lot of birds. So I don't know where that puts me. Um, because I'm still very driven to get limits. And if I go on these cold stretches, then, you know, then <laughs> that's when it, that's when it, you get that regression and you start getting upset you get frustrated. So, but as long as I'm having decent hunts, good hunts, then, you know, I'm probably a solid three, but when I don't, man, I'll go back to that one and a half <laughs> pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I certainly see myself throughout every stage. Um, as far as the sportsman stage, I do, I gain a great amount of enjoyment just being in the outdoors. And that is why I go scouting, um, 
during the off season so much because I want to be in a marsh. I want to see ducks. I want to daydream about duck hunting. That's why I'm there. And the scouting is honestly secondary. So I, that aspect of the sportsman stage, I'm in that. The method part of it, um, how we go about doing things is extremely important to me. The shot selection is extremely important. I really care about how the decoys are, are set up. Or if we, if we hunt with someone else, I want to see them set up the decoy so I can see how they're doing it. Um, the trophy stage, I, I highly value, <clears throat> I highly value my mallard drake to hen ratio and, and how many mallards I shoot. In fact, I've actually been talking about one of my goals next year of trying to make it through a whole season without shooting a hen. Not that I think that it, there's anything wrong with shooting hens because I don't think it, it makes a difference on their population just for the, the mere trophy aspect of it. If I could do, you know, well, I shot 40 drakes and no hens this year. I just think that would be so cool. I would put that as like a badge of like, I don't know, I just think it would be neat. Um, but at times I want to limit out a lot too. So, you know, I, I'm scattered throughout there. I can say before, <clears throat> excuse me, but so before I started freelance duck hunting, I was starting to slip into stage five a little bit because we didn't try near as hard to shoot limits when I wasn't filming. I mean, it was just my dad and I, there was no danny or aiden or everything and and we went out as much well maybe not quite as much we hunted about 25 times a year but it was way more casual i mean especially during teal season you know we just did not push as hard to shoot birds we just didn't and i mean my success rate has gone up from basically two and a half birds a hunt to 3.2 just for just for simply trying harder and so certainly YouTube and, and filming, it's, it's almost like if, if you're on a job and your boss is in to observe you, <laughs> you're going to, you know, you're going to put in a little extra effort. And I think with YouTube videos, it's kind of like that. The whole world's observing you. So, you know, your shoulders are up a little bit more. You're trying a little bit harder. Uh, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I tried. I'm trying to reflect over my own self as, yeah. as that regression and how it's affected me. Uh, but I, I'm scattered throughout them. So I'm, I really... I don't know where to put myself on it. I, I think it really goes, like you said, it, a lot of it depends on how much success I've been having. One of my favorite hunts of the year was the day before the collab ended where I just slipped off to hunt with Aiden and no one came with me. That was, we shot, I think five or six birds that day. And that was absolutely one of the funnest hunts I had all year. So that tells me, well, I'm not in limited out stage, but it was situational too. You know, I, I'm a bit of an introvert and with the flyways, we had all been, together so much. I loved every second of it, but an introvert kind of, it can get energy drained from those situations. So being just in the outdoors with Aiden and, and it was like, I don't know, something special about it. So I don't know. I think it, some of it's almost hunt by hunt. Like you said, where this yep. hunt, I'm, oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. a number two, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think I, th I definitely agree with you. I have to have hunts that are all of these, maybe not one, but all of these, you know, I have to have hunts during the season where I am, going out as hardcore as possible and I'm going to shoot a limit. I'm going to be a straight killer, you know, being extreme, extremely efficient. And that's kind of your goal and your mindset. And I go on hunts, um, usually and you're with guys who are like that on those hunts. And then you go on hunts where it's just like, I'm going to take somebody new with me and it's going to be more of, it's all about them. I want them to shoot birds more than I want, want me to just because you're introducing them to duck hunting, you know, and that's kind of the feeling I had when I take my brother-in-law this year. I'm like, you know, we had birds come in. I'm like, you get first shot, you know, yeah. um, that kind of thing. And if you're in the limit out stage, you're not going to, you're not going to be letting other people take the first shot. You're going to be take them. And, and I've had, I've had that where, um, earlier on in my duck hunting, you know, um, I didn't even think about the other guy. I would just pull up and start shooting, you know, and then you're going to have, I think you're going to have hunts, where you're trying all of these or having hunts that are in all these stage, all these stages. Yeah. So I think that's, that's kind of where it's at, but you'll lean more towards them. It's like fumblements is a perfect example of the, the, the fifth stage guy, because he really doesn't care. He just wants to be out there. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, I think that filming the hunts folds into the method stage as well, because there's plenty of days where I'm like, oh, I'm starting with the camera, you know, and we're passing the camera around and, and, and everything. And, and that's, I think that would, would be displayed as a method stage. I would think. Yeah. It's kind of that's, that's true. That is definitely a, a method part to it. 
All right. Well, I guess that pretty much wraps up this section. So, um, yeah. You got anything else to add before we wrap it up, Elliot? No. Uh, enjoyable conversation. Remember to catch us on Fellowship of the Duck Guns. And if you want extra only uh, ex- exclusive um, content, go to patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting and Jordan and I will be over there. Alrighty, folks. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Elliot Graybeard from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we'll see you guys on the next one.